You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Everyone was good. It's great for you, really bad for me. It's terrible. Anyway, 2008, my parents got a desktop computer for the house. First one we'd ever had. And it was revolutionary for me. Because, you know, the channel, the, cha- the TV has five channels. You got a blockbuster, you choose one of many predetermined DVDs to rent. Computer, you could type in anything and it would come up, fantastic. And I had pretty unrestricted use of the machine. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, my time on there was pretty cleanly divided between playing a game called Worms 3D. (laughs) It's not funny. In which you would, (laughs) it's a good game. In which you would play as uh, an anthropomorphic worm traversing sort of featureless green terrain and bludgeoning other worms with (laughs) military-grade equipment. Uh, And uh, the other thing I did on there was I would seek out sort of weird media to consume. And it it really was the Wild West. You could find pretty much anything. And one thing I found on there was a PDF about manifestation. Um, Authored anonymously, but named something like the clamp technique or the something method. Obviously named after whoever wrote the PDF. And it was, uh, you know, it's just the idea that it was the same ideas you would get in... um, there was a book called The Secret that came out in the noughties where it's all about the universe is your printer. You can just say things aloud and they'll, they'll happen. You can mold the universe to your will. Uh, there was a lot of paragraphs about that interspersed with like quotes attributed to like Linda, 39, Chelmsford about like <laughs> about uh, yeah, just there being like since adopting this technique my salary has tripled my Sun has stopped beeping. My my smoke alarm's gone off, and my piles have cleared up. And uh, my uncle's Persian now. I wish for that as well. He's they've got a rich history. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't plan to say that. Anyway, uh, and yeah, reading those quotes, I'd be like, well, that's watertight evidence for this theory. This obviously. No one would lie on a, an anonymous PDF <laughs> I've just found. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but I, so I wanted to believe it. But, you know, I had some skepticism. Like I would often walk back from school with my friend and debate what exactly Father Christmas could do. We developed our own sort of agnostic belief system for Father Christmas. We... Uh, He's obviously not going everywhere in one night. 
he obviously hasn't got flying reindeer. There's probably some kind of gig economy set up where he's high. He's got, he's got a, a Santa in every constituency who's sort of visiting each house. Um, so I showed it to my dad, and uh, I was like, check this out, old man. And he was like, uh, he read over it very carefully, and then he didn't even look at me and just went, yeah, it's not true. Walked, <laughs> walked out of the room. Walked out of the room. He's a good man, but uh, but I went. Never say never. <laughs> um, and uh, funnily enough, actually, my dad didn't have a lot of patience for you know the kind of make believe stuff uh, that year. Still, two thousand eight Christmas, I woke up and I looked in my stocking, and there was a FIFA '08 for the Game Boy Advance. And my dad came in and he said, "Hey, what did Santa get you?" And I went, uh, oh, yeah, it's FIFA 08 for the Game Boy Advance. Little, you know, hitch on that. Uh, I asked it for it for the DS, a different system. But it's all right. I could, I could still do it. And he went, fucking shit. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. I was like, well, that, <laughs> that puts an end to that. Great. Thanks, Dad. Anyway. Uh, but I was presented here with a very easily falsifiable theory. I could put it to the test. Uh, I knew that if I said something aloud a few times and it didn't happen, it wasn't real. And so I happened to have a way to implement that very quickly because uh, we were meant to go to Brighton for a day trip with my mum's friend and her son um, the next day. And just before that, we would be having a little play date and then he would go back and fetch his stuff and we'd all leave. And I hated this boy. Uh, he was a year younger than me, and any time we'd play, he'd sort of never leave me alone, and he'd follow me everywhere. And if I picked up a book to read alone, he'd sort of put his head on my shoulder and read it with me. And, and no, fuck off! He was annoying. He was so bad. <laughs> Hate that guy, Finley. Finley, fuck off, Finley. Finley Duff, you know who you are. Anyway, there was. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, he was, I mean, maybe I should unpack some of this somewhere else at some point in my life. But anyway, he, he really annoyed me. And so the night before, I went like, um, I don't want him to come to Brighton, so I'm going to wish for something to happen to him. And I, w I wished for, uh, not, not, not like that. I wished for him to break his leg and not be able to... I wish for him to. I, I hadn't broken a bone before. All I knew was that it incapacitated you and stopped you from being able to come, you know. Anyway, I wish for on the play date for him to break his leg and not be. I'm not proud of it, but he'd not be able to come to Brighton for a day trip. And when we had that play date, at one point he did fall over and start crying because he's a fucking crybaby. He was fine. He didn't, he didn't have any injury. He got back up and then we continued to play. But. When he went home to get his stuff, some unrelated thing happened and he couldn't come. And to me, that was evidence enough. The universe works in mysterious ways. I am God. Anyway, <laughs> he couldn't come. Then the next week, but I, I wasn't completely... I still knew that if it stopped working, it would, I would abandon this belief system. So we went to... Uh, the next weekend, we went to a place called... I think it was the Butterfly House... There was this butterfly sanctuary in, in Hyde Park in London um, that was really lovely. It was like a big translucent dome in which there were many sort of uh, rainforesty plants and it was very humid and there were loads of butterflies and they would come and land on your 
shoulders and stuff. It was nice. And uh, we had a guided tour. And the guy who was guiding the tour, Sven, probably wasn't his name, but he was, he was showing us around. And he pointed uh, very early on to this picture that they had next to one of the trees of this really beautiful red butterfly with a sort of black globular pattern on its wings, very nice sort of orange outline to that pattern. And he said, well, this is a spotted Humboldt, and they're endemic to Colombia. They've got a really interesting history. We haven't got many here, and they're really rare. They only really come out in the evening, but they don't, you probably won't see one. But they're very beautiful, and what's interesting about them, even within the butterfly world, is that they have this high level of uh, variation in the patterns on their wings between butterflies. None really look alike. They're kind of like snowflakes in that sense. And in Colombia, loads of indigenous populations have independently sort of come up with this myth that if one lands on your finger, you, it's, the pattern on its wings will sort of, is readable to you. You can, you can sort of tell your future just by looking at this pattern and passing it. And this is a sort of tradition that's even trickled down to like the sort of contemporary South American writers, butterflies are often used as a metaphor for fate and for your future. And I went, well, I'm going to see one today, obviously. And I start focusing very, very hard on the idea that I will see a spotted Humboldt and it will land on my finger. I repeat it to myself at low tones for the next half hour as we are guided through this uh, butterfly sanctuary. I'm going to see a spotted Humboldt and it's going to land on my finger. I'm going to see a spotted Humboldt, and it's going to land on my finger. And I stop talking to anyone who's there. My parents cannot get through to me. <laughs> and I sort of start deflating as we go on, because we've got about yeah half an hour. I don't see one. And just as we're leaving, just as we're reaching the exit, I see a flash of red in the corner of my eye, and I see a spotted Humboldt flying around. And I think, wow, I've done it. I've, <laughs> I've cracked the code. And it flutters down and lands on my mum's shoulder. And she goes, fuck, ow, ow, ah! And she kills it. <laughs> yeah. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich.